This is Tom Joyner. We're still learning about COVID-19, but one thing we do know, African-Americans have been disproportionately affected, which makes our involvement in health research key. By participating in the All of Us Research Program, we can help drive research for COVID-19 and other conditions, even from home. Now more than ever, our participation can play a role in improving the health of our communities. Research is hope, and it's fueled by you. Find out more at joinallofus.org radio. Welcome to the Liberty Podcast with your host, Pastor Robert Maxey, Senior Pastor of Liberty Church of Baton Rouge. It's our prayer that this podcast will be life-changing for you and that you will share it with someone else. Now, here is Pastor Rob. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow, well, I am a Baton Rouge girl, born and raised here. graduated uh, from the Southern University (laughs) with uh, an undergrad degree in political science. I have a master's in public administration. Uh, Met my high school sweetheart, Mike Wicker, when we were 14 and 15 um, at Southern. And uh, we have six amazing children. Our oldest is 24 and our baby is six. So the wow. babies just kept coming. So we have six kids and um, we do we, as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So I never I, I rarely hear people that uh, that have that many kids. And, and when they do, you know, people tell me all the time. I said, they say, well, how many kids do you have? And I said, oh, I have 20 because, you know, if you say anything <laughs> over four, it's just like you say you have 20. Right. But, uh, you might as well not even worry about it. You can go ahead. If you got anything over one, you might as well go ahead and have two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't realize after three, they all just kind of roll in there together. And right, it's right. easier and easier. <laughs> but um, but we we started uh, like we, we pastor Lighthouse Christian Fellowship Church right here in Baton Rouge over on Nicholson Drive. And right. I have been in, in, in ministry for well over 20 uh, some odd years and just absolutely love the Lord with all of our heart. And, and yeah. hear my, my, my husband say all the time, he says, I'm just a man trying to get to heaven. Anybody want to go? And uh, man. <laughs> so I had we, the opportunity we, to meet him uh, uh, during the One Blood uh, campaign. Did you, man? That yeah. was that was an amazing time for all of us, and um, we're actually going to be looking to do something um, similar to that again. That was so powerful for us, and just a time yeah. of healing and restoration and, and conversation, and, and in our opinion, just deliverance for our community it was really great. Amen. Amen. With uh, elections coming up here in local elections, I know that God must have given you something. You must, must have seen something in the way that we are operating here locally to push you and propel you into to running for mayor. So what are some of the things that that as a as a mayor president that you feel would be the main thing of your uh, uh, office? You know, I, I think that just like. um we we all know that uh, for those of us, especially that were born and raised here in Baton Rouge and were you know groomed and trained and educated here in the whole nine yards, that we have woken up really to uh, a Baton Rouge that that none of us really recognizes. It's just not not who yeah. we are and how we function and operate. And so I think first and foremost is just being able to be that voice of of, of reason and that voice of unity and bringing our community back together. Uh, as a whole, making sure that we understand that we we have differences, we have issues just like any other community, but allow that opportunity for us to not use those differences to divide us, but really to, to come together. Because at the end of the day, I say it all the time, we're all God's children. And um, 
you know, we're, we're all creations of God. And so at the end of the day, we're part of that human race. And, and, and so for me, it's more about bringing and unifying the community. And then there, there's some practical things. I've been in government for a very long time. This is not uh, my first rodeo at this for sure. I've, uh, right. I was the assistant, assistant chief administrative officer in the mayor's office previously uh, back in the early 2000s. And of course, I've been on the, the Metro Council for the last 12 years. And so I've seen a lot from both sides of the hall. And I do think that we have a unique opportunity to make sure that our community is progressing in a way that all of us feel like we don't have to uh, to leave this community. So I've had way, way too many conversations here recently that I'm I'm comfortable with, with people right. that have said, you know, I've, I've been here my whole life. I've, I've raised my family here. I've been trained and educated here in Tyra for the first time. I don't feel safe anymore. I don't feel like this is my community and um, our community. And I'm, I'm really contemplating leaving Baton Rouge. And that has been the, the amazing thing to me, uh, Pastor, is it's, it's not been one sector. It's been Blacks, mm-hmm. it's been Whites, it's been Democrats, it's been Republicans, it's been right. old people, it's been young people. And so that's that for me uh, is, is something that I'm very passionate about because I think people have just given up hope. And, um, right. and I think those of us that are that understand, uh, you know, without a vision, people perish. And I think that you have to be able to get in and understand the significance of having a vision and then being able to unapologetically lead the people. The the word of God said when when Israel had no king, it did what was right in its own eyes. And I think Mm -hmm. part of that is what we're seeing. Uh, You know, no disrespect to anyone. I think that there are different seasons and different times for specific kinds of leadership at the helm that are necessary to move God's plan and purpose forward. And I know unequivocally that this is the time and the season that he's called me to do this. Amen. Um, One of my pet peeves, my wife would tell you, is that we we talk about losing young talent a lot. And um, we had a my, my niece actually just graduated from Southern and and she got up and packed up and now she's in Houston. And wow. we continually lose uh, young educated uh, people across the board, white and black. And I don't understand why. Um, is you, it, it- You know, go ahead, I'm go ahead. sorry. I was gonna I was say, gonna... Uh, go ahead, you go ahead. No, no, you go, I wanna hear you and then I'm gonna speak. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, is it is it crime? Is it is it job opportunities? Like, what is the things the thing that's making young people go away? Now, I went away from the for the military, and I came back after the military, and I brought back that talent, I brought back my education, and I you know and brought that into the community. But like you said earlier, it doesn't. It seems yeah. like we're, we're on our own down here. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll answer that in a couple of ways. I think that, you know, I too, if you talk to my mom, she'll tell you, you know, when I was 19, I lost my mind for a moment and I, and I moved to Dallas and <laughs> I'll never forget being in Dallas. You know, there were uh, there were, were things that, you know, it was very easy to make money. It was it was up and popping. It was always something yeah. happening. And for a young person at 19, you know, Dallas was like the world. Right. And right. But I'll never forget, you know, I had not finished school, uh, but I'm like, man, you know, I'm good. I'm good. And I'll never forget a young lady. I was working at Bloomingdale's down there and she told me, she said, Tara, she said, if you have an opportunity to go back home 
and finish school. She said, Dallas is always going to be here. These opportunities are always going to be here. You go and make a difference and you get your education. I'll never, ever forget that young lady. And she spoke into my life. And, you know, God has sent people at specific times to change the trajectory. And if you're obedient and you listen, he'll change the course and alter the course. And so I was one of those, you know, 19 year olds that, you know, I can leave Baton Rouge and go, but I'll never forget coming back home. I remember saying, man, there's no place like home. You know, it, it was it's home. Right. So I was able to come back and, and finish school. I had to, you know, beg, beg my, my professors and the administrators. You know, I told them, I said, good guys, if y'all take a chance on me, and y'all let me back in the Southern. I promise you, you will never with tears in my eyes. I said, you'll never <laughs> regret it. Right. And then I took that that window of opportunity and I, I never looked back and I continued to get my degree and my second degree and then being able to use my gifts and my talents that I was yeah. I was given to give back into the community. But I think it was about being able to recognize that there's power and potential and value at home. And so, you know, I can go places and, and do a whole lot of things, but being able to be here where you were born, raised, trained, and giving yeah. back to the communities, I think the thing that we have to be able to give our, our young people. And, you know, in ministry, you guys know this, if you, there's a saying that if you look at your congregation, and you're looking at a whole bunch of faces of old people and there's no young right. people around, your yes. church is dying. That and is I, correct. And I have to... I have to say the same thing about about our city. You know, if you look around and, and you may be uh, um, uh, kids are born here, trained, educated yeah. here. But at the end of the day, when they get of age and they're able to make a choice and they're deciding to move, your city is dying. And so I right. think that we have to be very, very creative. I mean, I have fought long and hard and and I, and I have a prime example right in my house with my 24 year old you know she graduated from LSU she has an undergrad degree in international affairs and um, yeah. global diplomacy and her her goal in life was the moment I have an opportunity I'm out of here you know she spent yeah. six weeks in eight weeks in career at Youngstown University and then went to Paris so you know in her mind this world is very small and she can go anywhere and right. I'll tell you what ended up happening she you know she met a lot of different friends from around the country and they selected they started doing holidays in each other's uh, uh, cities and so we had a group of kids that came to baton rouge for new year's now i have to be honest with you i was very nervous and um insecure about them coming to baton rouge i said man these kids yeah. have never been to baton rouge they've never right, been to right. Louisiana. i have no idea what they're gonna think and so i told them and i said tell me okay you guys have been here for a couple of weeks tell me what you think and of course they said man we love the food love the people we knew we were going to get an a in that but i'll yeah. tell you the thing that they did talk about was transportation options they talked about um being able to utilize their creative capital immediately and get access to jobs because they knew that they could go to other cities and immediately start with this young entrepreneurial spirit and be able to immediately make money and put their capital their creative capital to, to use and so i think that we have to be able to be open to those things uh, Baton Rouge a lot of times has has become this city where we do stuff because we've always done it that way. And yeah. this generation, these kids are just, they're in a whole different plane. If you don't have technology integrated into literally everything that you do, you're already behind the mark. Uh, that's so correct. I think that we have a unique opportunity to make some major changes, but you know, we've got to integrate those young people and make sure that they feel like they are a part of this next level of generation and leadership. Uh, amen. I, I totally agree. Totally agree. I, I noticed a couple of things that you talked about, uh, transportation, jobs, uh, starting businesses. Those things are going to be important in your campaign. Uh, so yes. 
give me specifics on on how do you how do you get people into starting businesses what are some of the things that you're going to use to um to change the job outlook for young uh, young professionals and transportation in the city because there are so many holes in transportation right Right. You know, I look at transportation the the same way that I look at education. You know, for a long time, we thought that, you know, you draw this box around education and classroom and environment and you stick everybody in that box and out is going to come this educated, trained, ready workforce. And we've recognized years after years that that is just not the case. So I think being able to be creative and number one, sit down and listen to what the needs of individuals are. So just like we recognize, I have six kids and I will tell you all six of them had to had different education options because they had to have certain things that fit their certain personality style. So I have kids that are in charter school. I have kids that are in private school. I have kids that are in public school, kids that are in Montessori, kids that are in in, um, magnet. But I had to be able to be involved enough, know them well enough, know their personality and their learning style to be able to link them and match them with what works for them. Well, the same holds true to, to transportation. If we really think that we can put one one mode of transportation in a city, meaning the bus system, and think that we're going to accommodate all the different transportation needs that there are from varied amount of, amounts of people, we are already far behind the mark. And so when you look yeah. across the country at cities that perform best, they have a myriad of, of viable options. So you may have people that, you know, are, are very environmental friendly and they have no desire to own a car because they don't want to add to the, to right, the mission. Right issues. My son son is the exact same way. He doesn't want to drive a car. He he believes that transportation is able to get him anywhere he wants, like places like New York and Los Angeles. It's it's public transportation. Even the mayor takes public transportation to work every day. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we try to take public transportation here and, and, you know, you'll, you'll be standing there for a moment. I mean, we've made right. some strides and we've made some improvements, but you know, that little short time. I, okay. So, you know, confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you and my viewers a little, <laughs> little. <laughs> so when I was in Dallas, you know, I told you I worked at Bloomingdale's where I lived yeah. in an apartment and, you know, I had a tendency to kind of, you know, run behind a little bit, run behind schedule. And, you know, uh-huh. I had a bus that would pick me up. He was late all the time. He was late all the time. <laughs> yeah. Just that's for people that don't understand what but, you just said. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's it. So I uh, I would catch the bus and sometimes I'd come down, you know, click, 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 clacking. And I was a little late, but I right. knew 20, 20 minutes later, there was another bus. Now it was a difference between right. me being able to comfortably walk to my job or me having to put on my Reebok tennis shoes and run across the parking lot. But still, even if I had to wait for that second bus, I knew that I could make it to work on time. And I think that becomes the value of looking at transportation needs and options that are available. This generation, you know, for us, getting our driver's license and driving the car was like, oh my God, that's a rite of passage. It's, it's right, everything right. about us was, these kids, you know, it took my kids forever to even think about a driver's yeah. license because they would Uber everywhere or they would do whatever. But, you know, so you got to be able to be creative enough to understand the personality types of the generation that you're trying to serve to make sure that you're matching the services to those particular needs and, and where they are in that generation. And I think we just right. got to do that m- much more. 
I noticed that uh, that the roads have been being, being improved, and there's actually a couple of places where they've been putting in roundabouts, which I thought was amazing because I used to live in Europe and, and roundabouts everywhere. You hardly see a red light. So I thought that was great. Yeah, you know, and, and I'll tell you a little bit about kind of the, the, the history of this. And again, being in, in local government for many years, I've had the opportunity some, I guess, almost 20 years ago to have conversations about a lot of things that we're seeing come to fruition. And that's kind of how politics works. It was very interesting because you'll work on something for years and years. And then, it, it you know, and the frustrating thing, I think, to citizens and all of us is the length of time that it takes to the bureaucracy of government to get things done, which is the thing I think we still got to work on is efficient and effective government. Because we've been talking about the fact that we needed, you know, uh, 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 passing a, a bond issue, you know, and making yeah. sure that we have quality roads and all of that. And so what we're seeing now, and I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and I'm grateful for it. We know that, you know, we haven't uh, actively really started spending the, the move BR money, but we do have a, a leftover effect of the road rehabilitation dollars that right, we're right. able to see on the road. And then you also have uh, the green light plan, which, which was of course under Mayor Holden's administration, but it was a, it was a great and a tangible plan. And so I just saw some, some sidewalks that were done over on 72nd street in the banks community, which is in my, right, right. that's something that we, that was part, if they look at the green light plan, that was one of the first projects because Miss Pat LaDuff over there with the dog said, we've got to get some sidewalks. And so I'm right. glad to see those things coming into uh, fruition and they were able to convert some of the green light projects into move BR. But, you know, we've got to be able to to have adequate uh, infrastructure and, and, and people's ability to be able to move through the city and get to where they yeah. need to go, whether wh whatever the various modes of transportations are. So it's definitely something that's needed. You have, you have a very diverse uh, uh, areas. What are what is the boundaries of your area? So it's, it's real interesting because when I first started, uh, I actually had the back gates of LSU all the way up to my my, my northern boundary was kind of uh, Tony Seafood and and that little area. Um, and then about uh, 10 years ago, we actually went through uh, redistricting and we ended up having to, um, because of the um, making sure that we kept a uh, um, somewhat of a balance on the council, we had to add, I had to add about 7,700 residents to the District 10 area. So for the mm -hmm. first time in history, and I think that was very, very symbolic, but for the first time in history, I was the only council person that actually had Southern University, downtown, and LSU all in one district. Because uh, wow. Southern, yeah, Southern used to be a part of District 2. But right. many, many people still don't know that I have Southern, downtown, and LSU all in one district. And so I go from the back gates of LSU all yeah. the way to the back gates of Southern, and I have a little portion of the avenues, and then I go as far east as Acadian. Wow. Man, if you yeah. ever have to hit the ground and knock on doors, you, you're really going to knock on a lot of doors. What has been the thing that you've championed while on the council? Wow, I think uh, a few things that I'm, I'm very, very proud of. I think probably most recently we were kind of going through the accomplishments and you forget a lot of times over 12 years, a lot of the things that you've actually been able to do. But I think probably the things that I'm, I'm most proud of is probably the establishment of the Community Police Ambassador Program. That's one okay. of the things we were, we were able to, a couple of years ago, uh, 
a colleague of mine, Trey Walsh, and I came together really after the whole Alton Sterling and the flood and the, the yeah. shooting of the police, the killing of the police officers who came together and said, hey, we just need a moment to breathe and, and need a moment to understand. And because that morning, I don't know if y'all remember, but we didn't even know, like, OK, should I speak? Should I not speak? You know, what? Yeah. Can, you know, we didn't know how to really react and respond to one another. And so Trey and right. I were like, you know what, enough of this. And so we pulled together a committee that we thought was going to be kind of just a quick committee, give people opportunity to express what they thought was working yeah. well in the police department and what may have needed improvement. And that that time period ended up being about two and a half years, literally, of everybody from the community, the police department, everybody involved coming to that table at one point in time or another to say, this is what we think needs to happen. And so we delivered a police policy recommendation uh, policy paper. And out of that was a program that Southern University found uh, that was actually mimicked from uh, a program that was done in London. Yeah. And it was a community police ambassador program, which is a combination of the community and the police working together to build bridges in terms of policy issues, conversation, uh, 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 representation in the whole yeah. nine yards. And so that program now has its second class that we're that we we've graduated the first class for two years and now it's on the second class. And I think that's been probably one of the most things that I'm very, very pleased with because I actually was able to see in that room people's transformation and the coming together right, of a community right. and our healing. So I, I would have to say that the CPA program for sure. When you look at uh, race relations since Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, what have you seen as uh, our mayor's failures or what has she done good or, or how do we make that what she has done better? Yeah, I think I think part of the, the the issue is when you're when you're looking at race relations and especially something as sensitive as you know history and things that people have experienced, which are tangible and very very real. I think that you can't deny those issues, but you also have to, you know, and, and let me digress for just two quick seconds. So my husband mm -hmm. and I also uh, do couples counseling and we believe in just mega marriages. And so one of the right. sessions that we teach is there's always two sides to every fight. Both sides are right. And so right. people look at us really weak. You know, everybody coming to the marriage council and thinking he's wrong and he, you know, everybody's right. got their guards up. But the truth of the matter is, is both sides are actually right. You're just looking at it from a different perspective. Different perspective yeah. And so our job is to take that person who may have a difference of opinion, take them around to the other side and let them be able to see it from 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 your perspective. We were able to do that with the CPA program. Along, we, we, we launched something from the CPA program called Race Talk. And Race Talk was just that opportunity for people to come into the room uh, breathe a sigh of relief. There was no agenda. And we talked about everything from race and religion to race uh -huh. and social environment, race and education. But it was like, you know what? Let's just have the conversations that we all have at our living room and our dining room tables with each other, but we never have them together. And so we right. had whites and blacks in there. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, you know, that I, I, sometimes I was one of the few Christians in there. So they, they laughed, yeah. they cried. Some people, some people had to curse, but they, you know, but right. it was an opportunity to see for them to get real. And I think, you know, it's, it's not about 
doing something wrong or right. I think it's just the way that you look at the ability to be able to hear people and have a unique skill set. I was trained as a consensus organizer many, many yeah. years ago. So I have a, a unique skill set that I'm able to listen to people's sides of the story and help figure out where's the compromise, where's the commonalities. Because a lot of times people don't realize they have more in common than they do different. They just right. aren't hearing each other. And I think that that becomes the, the major component of how do you take those difference of views, not take it personal and not take sides. But especially as Christians, our job is to be able to be that stabilizer because God has no respect of a person. We're all right. his white, black, green, whatever it is. But you you should have the personality and the skill set to stand in the middle and be that bridge builder and make people right. come together. When I uh, when I was running for school board, I ran as a, as a Democrat. Uh, I'm probably closer to just being an independent um, but I, I've noticed that there's this argument, and we actually talked about it on one of our previous shows, was that if you're a Democrat, then you're not a Christian, or if you're a Republican, you are a Christian, and you can run for things as a, you, you understand what I'm saying? So, I so do. you're running I as do. a Democrat. Yeah, I am. I've been a Democrat my whole life, and, you know, for for uh, whatever reasons, whether it was tradition or, or family values or just whatever, but right. it's so funny because I had a lady that called me the other day. She's like, Tara, I, you know, I'm looking at all your views. And I'm looking at what you do, and she said, you know, and you're you're pretty conservative on most most things, and you know, you ought to come over to the Republican Party. You know, we'll welcome you. And I sort of, <laughs> you, you know, I was kind of laughing. I was, kinda, <laughs> I got an invite, and I was kind of <laughs> laughing, and I said, you know, I said, God is bigger than any party. That's I said, right. so if you, you know, if people would, would, would do, would love nothing more than to put some, their label on you. And I said, yes. you know what? I said, God, God's not going to let any, I said, there are, there are good Republicans. There's bad Republicans. There's good Democrats and there's bad Democrats. I said, but right. God's not going to be shown, uh, you know, let any party be b- bigger than him. And I told her, I said, to be honest, I said, I'm going to start a new party and it's called the DR party, not Democrat or Republican, but it's called the do right party. Just, can we just do right. So whatever that is, if you're going to do the right thing, hey, not the black thing, not the white thing, not the right. Democrat, not the Republican, just can you do what's right. And if you do what's right, then that's where I'm going to stand. And so that's, and, and you know, and I was talking to my, my 24 year old, she said, mama, she said, I would tell you these young millennials, the kids my age, mama, she said, they're done with parties. She said, they don't want to be Democrat. Yeah. They don't want to be Republican. They, they just want to be no party so that they can that's have right. the freedom and the right to, to vote whatever. They want. Yep. And, and man, it, it's amazing when you get young people involved in the election process, they will take it and run with it. And especially when you have a great, diverse uh, inner circle. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I, I, I want I want everybody around me. I don't want just one type of person around me feeding me their view, but I want everybody around me. I want to know what they think and what they think. And that's how we actually able to cross over and reach people on the other side of the aisle. That's right. And I think that's also how you grow, because if you stay within your same circle and people with the same views and the same ideologies and you never integrate a different point of view or a different opinion, yeah. this world is huge. And if you close yourself off to this is the only way that I can think and only this is right. I think you've, ju- you've done yourself and this community a grave injustice because there are various amounts of opinions and ideas that if you incorporate yeah. a little bit of what everybody's thinking, you can come out with a, a wonderful, what I like to call gumbo, you know, right, so, right. It's a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and everything together. But man, when it comes together, it tastes, it's beautiful. It tastes wonderful. 
That's it. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've heard uh, since I've been here, and actually, as I was just getting preparing for the night, and I was looking over some of the things that that you you've done and things like that, and on social media, and I saw people attacking you for even running for mayor. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so they they were saying that you're uh, uh, just looking for your own spot, or you're there's no loyalty, and, and I hate that because when <laughs> I when I ran for when I ran for school board, I knew that I could do a good job. However, when I met with this certain person, they told me that they knew I would do a great job, and but they had to be loyal to their friend. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah. you would rather you would rather hurt the yeah. community by being loyal to your friend. Yeah, and I, and I've heard that, and that that becomes hurtful, and and I, and I agree with you. I mean, I've had people that will say, "Oh, well, I've known this person for a long time," or you know, I think that they deserve another chance. And I'm sitting here thinking, I get all of that, but let's talk about leadership let's talk about community let's talk about what what does this the, the and again it's not about a particular person but it is right. about the capacity and the kind and the style of leadership that is necessary for the season people forget about seasons and god is all yeah. about seasons and so there may there may have been a season for a certain kind of leadership and, I, and I'll, I'll, right. I'll, I'll 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 come off and tell you this four years ago i sat with with um with Sharon, because I've known her for years. We had a conversation and, you know, she told me she was interested in running. I had everybody saying, Tyra, you got to run, you got to run. And I'm sitting yeah. here like, I, I knew in my knower when it was time for me to run for council. And I right. told her, I said, I know that God is going to have me to be the mayor of the city one day. I said, it makes no sense right now. You want to do it. I, I know that I, I have time. And I said, and I'll, and I'll sit back and I'll support you. And I did. And, and, I, yeah. and that was for that time and for that season. But when God says, okay, now the time and the season is for something different, then you got to right. be obedient and move to that point. And so people don't understand that it's not about running against Sharon. It's just really being obedient to what God has said for the kind of leadership yeah. that is necessary. Because if we don't, and we don't be obedient, we'll just die on the vine. And so the other right. thing that I think is so weird is the demographics of this community shows that you're going to have uh, 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 African American Democrat that's going to be in that seat. The 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 days of the right. conservative white Republican are over, and so that yeah. that's not gonna that's not gonna happen. She was probably the last one that was able to pull that off. So yeah. you know whatever that looks like, it's that that's gonna be. But you gotta have the right leadership. And you said it earlier, yeah. you got to be able to to pull across party lines, to pull across racial lines and really bring this community together. And because of a lot of reasons, we're more divided than we've ever been. And yes. so you got to have somebody at the helm that has demonstrated the ability and has the unique skill set and the anointing to say, hey, let's look at what this looks like from this perspective. Both sides are right. Let's come together and have that right. conversation. And I know that's what God's called me to do. It's not personal. It's, it's a God thing. God tells you to do something. You run with it. And it's not personal. But you have to do what God has told you to do. Yeah, and I know that doesn't make a lot of sense to people that may not be believers, but I am un unapologetically saved. And so I want people to understand, don't 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 get it twisted. I, I fully get the understanding of what God has called me to do to be. I'm not right. going to hide that I'm a Christian. You can literally look at my values and make sure that my values line up with the word of God. If my values yeah. and my pop, because a lot of times people will vote for personality, but they don't yes. pay attention to people's policy. And that's right. what I'm saying, too. If 
you are a Christian, it is point blank period, very, very clear that the word of God says certain things about certain issues. And if you do yes. things just because you're in political office to be popular, and I'm not trying to be ugly, I have a wonderful, amazing husband and six yeah. beautiful children. I'm not doing this because I need to get to the next level of political office. I've been at that pinnacle. I know what the mayor's office looks like. I've had right. an office in there. So I'm not impressed about the mayor's office, but I am I am impressed about the assignment that's associated with what God has for me to do now. Because I could be at home taking care of my babies and be perfectly happy. But at the you. end of the day, <laughs> I have an assignment to accomplish. And if I don't, I'm more scared of God than I am of anybody else. So, yeah, Come I'm, on, I'm, 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 people need to know I'm unapologetically saved. Don't. Yeah. And, 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 and if, if you bring my, my six year old up here right now. And unprompted, and you ask her, what is the one thing your mommy is never going to do? She'll look you in your face and say, my mommy is never going to tell a lie. And I think that yeah. God is using me because I don't care about what people think. I care about what God has said, that yeah. that he's using me to bring purity back to politics. Because people have lost hope, even in elected officials, that you can't be a politician and, and not lie. You can't be right. a, a politician and not compromise. And I'm sorry, I told him, I say, I am unbalked. And I'm unbossed. So, yeah. you know, they just had the recent article about me getting money from Eddie Rispone and, and Lane Griggs. And, I, and, you know, I had to laugh for a moment. I'm like, come yeah. on, dudes, really? I said, first Everybody of all, get money from them. Everybody. Let me be let me be real clear. Anybody that understands that want to come and support me, you bring me your money, I'm going to take it. I yes. am going to do that because we got to get in office and elected. But but outside of that, and I can tell you this, and again, I can stand before you, Jesus, and everybody else. Blaine Grigsby has funded my campaign since I first got in office in 2008. Right. They just took a moment to look at my campaign records. They can see that. Yeah. But he did it because he said, and, and I can tell you this, the man has never asked me for one thing ever. He says, right. I believe you're, you're a Christian. I believe you're godly. You're going to do the right thing. I'm going to support you. Well, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Rispone's brother, uh, Gary Rispone, he was my neighborhood specialist 18 years ago when I was in the mayor's office. So that's a right. relationship with that family that went all the way back. And I told him, I said, do you really think the moment somebody tells me I'm going to give you money and you got to do this, all of a sudden your money has become too expensive and you can put it right. back in your pocket. Yeah. And that's just how I am. So yeah, and I if you Jesus. look at if you look at everybody's account, you'll see that every politician and local politician, white and black, have gotten money from from them. Even when they ran against the person that he also gave money to. So that's uh, right. That's right. So talk to me about COVID nineteen and our response here in Louisiana. What what has our local response? Is it, it do, if you put a grade on it, what would you say the grade is? Wow. Oh man. <laughs> I would have to say, um, mm, that's a good one. Isn't it? Let's see. It is a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I, I would have to say probably, and I know I'm going to have to qualify this when I say it, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to have to give us an average. I'm going to have to say about a C, you know? Okay. And the reason why I say that is going back to communication. I think that, you know, there are things that happen. And, and again, Point blank period. We all know that this was unprecedented. We never, none of us never ever knew that this was coming. Yeah. How to react? How it was gonna? How it was gonna uh, uh, lay out, play out? But at the same time, I think that all politics are local, and so I get that we had direction from the federal government, we had direction from the state. But I think Baton Rouge wise, you needed to again understand the way that our community 
function needed to function from both sides and and again i think that we kind of jumped to one side and all of a sudden now we're pitting people that should be working together for the health and the safety and the welfare of our, of our city and our community against one another. So then the conversation, I'm sitting here like, how how in the world can we politicize a mask? You know, that, right. that to me was so unreal and so crazy. I'm like, do we really just take the idea of wearing a mask no, and, and, and make, make that a point, a, a point of division? Right. You right. know, and so I just think, again, the way that you do things, you cannot be reactive. You have to be proactive and thinking yeah. ahead and being OK to stand alone as a leader of your community and think through and say, this is how we need to respond based on our particular needs of Baton Rouge. I think it's unacceptable that we have businesses that, number one, had to close down and number two, that had to make a decision of, you know what, I'm going to jump over here and go to Ascension Parish so yeah. that I can just be able to function now. At the end of the day, I think because we, we had to do it, even at the church. And right. you, know, you had people out there that were saying, we're not going to close down. We're not going to close the church. No, I, I think that obedience to the law of the land yeah. and your obedience to God does not have to be mutually exclusive. I didn't think that it was that much of a divide. But you do things accordingly. So, yeah. Do we wash our hands? Do we check? temperatures do we make sure that people have masks and we social distance right. you do what is right and what you can do but you don't go to the extreme of isolating people and making people feel like they can't function and and, yeah. and have people punching each other and 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 getting in fights over right over something that we all yeah it's just so I, I have to give us a c on that one so how do you move us to a b what is the what what is the the thing that you would do to move us to a b I think I think one of the things that we have to do is is an assurance. I think that you have to bring balance. You have to be uh, unapologetic in authority, but not um, what do you call it? Where where I, I make people feel like I'm fussing at you as your as your parent. You know, I, yeah. I think that we're all in this together because nobody wants their relatives to to look at them and you can't visit them in the hospital or they're sick or whatever. So yeah. I think part of the conversation is to create that commonality that hey guys, first of all, we're all in this together, and let's figure out what the balance is in terms of making sure that our community is safe. And everybody, you know, basic principles. Yes, these are the things that you that you have to do. And, and can I just say this? And don't don't judge me when I say this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, today is my husband's birthday. Uh -huh. We're at a, a restaurant out here in town center. Let me tell you how silly I think this is, is. And this is what I really can't wrap my mind around. So I get out of the car. I put my mask on. I walk into the restaurant. I go to my table. I take my mask off. So when you're looking at the whole restaurant, nobody's right. wearing a mask. Right. I, I can't that I, I can't figure that one out. We're all breathing yeah. the same air. So it's those kinds of things I think that we need to realistically look at, you know, what is the premise under which we're doing this? How is that supposed to work? What are you supposed to do? Because I'm all for wearing masks and social distancing yeah. and doing all of that. But it's those kind of little details in policy that we throw policies out there, in my opinion, without thinking through them. So I think going back to that, you have those conversations about what's 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 real and what's necessary and what's not. And then right. I think that you you do utilize 
resources and opportunities from from you know the state level but it has to be a community response it can't be this overarching because it works over here in this parish we're going to assume that it gonna, it's going to work here you've got to yeah. be okay with saying this is my city and this is what we're going to need to function i just you got to have it one of the uh, if you look at the numbers and uh i think uh, our governor governor has done a good job at making sure we got the information right and we, we've seen our numbers here in EBR go up, even with uh, the social distancing and, and, and the, the bars not being open and those things. We've still seen our numbers go up and deaths go up. So, so if the social distancing is not working in the restaurant and everybody's still breathing the same air, what would you do differently? I just think <laughs> I think that you got to be able to because you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'll tell you, me and my family and, and many other people, you kind of see the numbers that are flashing up on the screen now and nobody really pays attention to them because you don't know you know, what's real and what's not real. And mm-hmm. now they, they've come out with the information about, you know, they, they were double counting the test and now we're having to extrapolate and remove a certain amount of numbers. So when you get to the point where the credibility of the information, because I think we were in such a rush to get yeah. so much information out there and it was good that we were getting information, but I do think we were almost, uh, how can I put this? We were almost over-informed in terms of information that was out there but we didn't we didn't run it through the test to see how credible it was. And and you yeah. got one shot. You have one shot to, to to especially in these kind of situations to cause to lose people's trust. And so when yeah. the information started coming out that, you know, there were there were all of these false positives and, you know, all the numbers. And now people are like. They're not even paying attention anymore. And so that's yeah. the frustrating thing because we you really should be paying attention and you really should be doing a little bit more and making sure you're still complying. But because right. the information has been so it's vacillated. So people are like, you know what? Catch me on the next one. I don't believe anything you guys are saying at this point. Right. I think that to me is the most uh, disheartening thing because yeah. none of us, none of us can deny that this pandemic was real. How it started, all that kind of stuff right, is right. irrelevant, but it was real and it really is, you know, killing people. And so you cannot deny that. But I think the 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 reaction and in some cases overreaction without having a solid foundation of adequate credible credible information caused people to just turn the light off and say, I- I'll catch you on the next one. I don't believe anything y'all are saying. Yeah, and uh, I was listening to news today, and I see that the Big Ten uh, is not going to be playing this this year. Oh They're going to push God. back there. Oh. So, so yeah. do you agree with that? Uh, how would you handle sports in the city? I mean, if you were given a recommendation to um, LSU and to Southern University on playing football or, pl- or not playing football, what would what would you say to them? You know, my my son just signed. uh, He just moved, literally just moved into his dorm um, this past week to play uh, football at Southern. And, um, you know, 
we are we are such a a, a football town. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm trying I'm trying to figure out what everybody's going to be doing. You know, in these next couple of months without without football, and I know that you know we've been watching it pretty closely because we wanted to make sure that of course our our son was taking care of and 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 I'll tell you I got personal phone calls from Coach Odom and he's just mm-hmm. assuring me about the the testing and and what they're doing to make sure that the boys are 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 safe. Um, you know, I, you know that that's tough because at the same time, I know that they they were preparing these shields for the boys' faces uh, yeah. and making sure that they were they were covered. I, you know, I'm not okay. So let me say it this way: if there's credible information that outside of them congregating and 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 being exposed to COVID. You know, when they're kind of hanging out and fellowshipping and doing whatever, as opposed to them being exposed to it while they're there on the football field, mm-hmm. uh, I might have a difference of opinion. To me, the information is still, and I have, and I'm going to be honest with you, I saw it flash across the screen today and, and, and yesterday. So I mm-hmm. haven't had a moment to really dig into all the details of, um, because of, of, I had a couple other things, quite honestly, that that I've, I've had to pay attention to. Right, but right. um, but at the same time, you know, looking at that, I know it's going to have a tremendous uh, economic impact as well yes. as an impact impact on our, our young boys that are depending on those right. college, college scholarships and the, the, the recruits and the scouts being able to look at them. So it has a holistic yeah. approach. But at the same time, if the not and, and that's what's so difficult, because the information about whether or not um, there's this direct contact to, for those boys being on that field is going to result in them, you know, all ending up with COVID. Right, right. Uh, to me, I think the jury's still out. So I, I, I'm, I'm not sure on that. I can't go one way or the other. I know that they made a decision, and of course, the SEC is now meeting and, and going to probably follow suit. Uh, right. With that, but um, that's that's going to be real. I mean, we got to really kind of buckle our belts and see how everybody's going to respond and react and recover from that because that's major. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be an uh, economic hit to the city. Um, now, the president has really attacked local mayors, especially Democrat-run cities, uh, about our response to COVID, about our response to uh, race relations, and um, riots and things like that. What are some of the ways that you're going to be able to stand up for Baton Rouge, Louisiana against Trumpism? <laughs> you know, I, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, to me, again, it goes back to those policies and, and all politics being local. And I get that we are a part of a larger system. We're part of that state government. We're part of the federal government. But to me, it goes back to relationships. You know, I have very good relationships with our congressional delegation. And so while it may not necessarily be me directly having that conversation with the president, I think that having those relationships with not just the governor, but also our congressional leadership that is up there that because right, you know, right, right now, I know that that John um, Governor Edwards may have not had the best relationship um, for a lot of reasons with 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 uh, 
President Trump, but you do have some congressional delegation members that are part of that conversation. And so I think yeah. having those relationships and saying, hey, at the end of the day, this is what's going to be best for Baton Rouge. But not being able to have that dialogue and have those relationships, again, across party lines. And, and, I'll, and I have to speak to this. Gary Graves is a very, very good friend of mine. And so yeah. Garrett many times have called me into meetings where there are bipartisanship issues to say this you know this is not about party lines sorry this is really about how do we come together as a community yeah and yeah and so i think going back to establishing those relationships and and doing what's best for baton rouge and being right. you know this this being solid and walking in authority on that now yeah does that mean sometimes you may or may not get access to certain dollars but i also think it's all about how you communicate that message and you you can't you can't hide from it you can't you know push it to the side you got to be okay with being able to stand up where you need to stand up and right. understand leveraging relationships i always say it's really you know even in a marriage marriage is about you you negotiate with you get you get what you negotiate and even in those relationships understanding the power of negotiation and, right. and and utilizing leverage in those relationships but if you don't have them you can't use them so you know standing up and again just being unapologetic this is what we're gonna do and this this is what we're yeah. gonna do my, my mom told me all the time she said baby you don't be intimidated by by anybody because at the end right. of the day everybody has to sit and put one leg on and Come on, and, and, and pull their 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 underwear, their pants up one leg at a time, just like you. And so you don't be uh, intimidated. You do what God's called you to do. Uh, speaking about the uh, the Senate race, have you decided if you are going to uh, support a candidate? You know, I, I, I learned a, a long time ago that you know you the, the best thing that you can do is is run your race. You know, and yeah. and I've I've learned that you know because whatever you do, you're gonna make enemies on one side or the Definitely. other. And so it's yeah. it's not often that I'll come out and you know, especially you know, in, in a race where I'm running, because you got to be very. Uh, balance in your approach and and not and not shying away from it or anything. Yeah. But it's just you you got to pick which battles and fights that you need to fight. And so I, I oftentimes don't really come out and necessarily endorse candidates and that kind of stuff. And I, I a lot of times you know understand other people not doing that because you know it puts everybody kind of in a strange situation, especially when you're somebody that has relationships across the board with everybody. Now and now right. to do this, I, I've, I've endorsed a young man for for my council seat, and the reason why I did that, Jay Goday, because you know I've worked with people and I want to make sure that the legacy that I leave behind, you know, we don't go back in and tear up everything that we built. We we worked hard for twelve years to build. So there yeah. are some races that I'll get personally involved like that because I believe in leaving the legacy and the next generation of leadership. But others, I, I look at the candidates. I look at what's going to be, you know, what their platforms are, what they're going to be good at and, and what they bring to the table. I may give advice to individuals personally and my family or friends that ask, but you probably won't see me out, you know, publicly endorsing uh, people okay. uh, in that race. Okay. Um, now, LSU has a, a, a huge number of international students that are, are here in the city uh, from their home country. And I know that they were talking about if you if they were doing classes online, that they were going to make those students go back home. Uh, have you yeah. uh, have you thought about that and how you would protect those international students as yeah, a mayor? I, I 
Yeah, I just I, I think that that is uh, is not the right direction. Um, all of my children uh, are, are have international experiences and friends. All of them are fluent in Spanish. They went to a, an immersion program from the time they were in kindergarten. You know, I told you about my, my oldest daughter who has a myriad of international friends. And so we always are having these kinds of conversations. And I think that if those young people are or here, they're being educated because it's, it's more than just about the education that they're getting. It's really about the exposure to a different culture. And even yes. though they're from a different country, we're still part of the same uh, world, you know, and, and, you know, this world is getting smaller and smaller because of That's technology. Correct. And so, I, I, you know, I, I think that that would be disingenuous. And I think that, you know, to assume that because you're from another country that you all of a sudden have become you know, this this risk when you're already here being educated. I think that that right. would definitely, in my opinion, just send the wrong message. Definitely. Uh, Pastor Tony Spell. Uh-huh. Have you uh, talked to him? Did you talk to him when when uh, we had, did the initial shutdown? Did you agree with his actions? I, I didn't talk to him. I didn't talk to him. And, and you know, and I wasn't in a position of trying to to cast judgment on anybody. I think that people uh -huh. do what they believe, you know, because I, I, you know, I don't know what God told Tony and I can't, you know, and I can't sit here and say that God didn't tell him to do that for whatever reason. So I never went out and, and, you know, cast judgment on anybody and, oh, you're wrong in this. I can tell you what, 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 what Lady Tower and Pastor Mike did, you know, for, for Lighthouse. And again, going back to that point, I don't think that, that, walking in obedience and, mm -hmm. and, and, and being uh, obedient to the law of the land as well as the will of God were mutually exclusive. Now, that was the right decision for us. So we did yeah. make a decision that we would downsize the people that were in our congregation. We made sure we had only the essential people there. You know, we, as the numbers increased, we just we did what we were able to do. And, and strange enough for us is that it actually gave us access because we went online, uh, Facebook Live, and that population picked up. But we were able right. to actually pick up individuals that historically had not become in a church then tapped in or were coming to church online and since that time have stayed. So for us, it became, you know, God will take lemons for you and make lemonade. And, um, and right. that was for, for us a way of being able to even increase our fellowship to a degree. And yeah, we still have people that, that are trickling back in and all of that, but I can't, I can't judge anybody in terms of what they thought was best for them or for their conger, you know, for their congregation. I think he did what he, what he thought he needed to do. Now that's, that's good for where you are right now, but as mayor, you're going to be making these policies and do you make a policy that says, you know, uh, we're shutting down large large gatherings that mean church churches are going to have to uh, not operate because that's the way it started off um right. you're going to have to make a a decision either way so well, as, let me tell you go, go ahead i'm sorry so i was going to say as um as mayor as wicker, mayor right madam right. mayor wicker <laughs> <laughs> i like that ring i like that how do you how do you make a decision because uh, uh, you're not going to be able to sit back and say okay well what god said to him you know, but you're going to be making these policies. Do you make it illegal for people not to have on a mask? Do you give out tickets? Do you not make any social distancing plans? Do you get what are the directions you're going to do? That's a really great, really great question, and thank you for for asking that. So I, I do in in terms of uh, in terms of policy, I do believe 
this way. So you make those provisions and those policies in place that if, if you've looked at the, the context of the information, you make sure that whatever information that your citizens are, are getting is, is credible and that you've tested it and it's true. And then, yes, you go in and you make those policy provisions uh, um, in place and you can't you can't shy away from it. So here here was my here was my dilemma in all of that. Right. So mm -hmm. at the same time that we were having conversations about closing churches down, you leave church or you leave home and you go to Walmart and everybody was in Walmart. There was no social distancing. At that time, there was no mask requirement. Right. I'm sitting here like, you know, what What do we consider essential? Because I don't know, but to, to some people that understand, yeah, the, my, my emotional, spiritual, all of that is just as essential as me being able to go into a store and buy bread. So I think, again, when you're, when you're making those policies, you can't, that's what frustrated people was it uh -huh. seemed like you were making a policy from one sector that was wasn't being adhered to by another sector. And it seemed like you were people were selecting money and business over spirituality and what people needed in terms of what was important to their spiritual growth or their, yeah. their faith. And so I think that became that that dilemma. So for me as mayor, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make that a requirement, it needs to be the requirement across the board. Because to me, yeah. if you make only ten people be able to come to church, then you need to figure out how to make ten people come into Walmart one at a time. Because right. the same holds true. The same air that we breathing at church is going to be the same air that you're going to be breathing at Walmart. And so I think again, the layout and the and the the the, the rollout of the plan was not actively thought through. And so that's what. Yeah. Started pit pitting people against each other. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I, I hate the fact that we went to that place of saying, if you're a Democrat, then you are for masks. If you're a Republican, you're not for masks. If you believe God, then you don't wear a mask because a mask equals fear. Man, I, that was that was insane to me. And that's what I meant when I said, how in the world could we politicize? wearing a mask but you're right i mean it was divided straight down the line democrats okay no we're gonna wear a mask republicans no you're not gonna make me wear a mask and you know it's all about my freedom and flexibility i'm like where is the sense and sensibility in, in it all how do we right. take something that simple and we're talking about people's public health and safety and we make it a political issue and i think not getting into the dynamics of looking realistically at what was important to both of those groups because here's what the other groups were saying I was because I'm you know again I'm listening to both sides and the other side was saying well you know what you know it's it's not proven that wearing a mask is going to stop you from getting COVID which okay everybody's yeah. saying that now so we understand it, it may reduce but it's not going to prevent so if you can't tell me that it's going to stop me from getting COVID then don't make me wear a mask okay but yeah. they said because what happens is if you if, if the federal government or the government is able to tell me you are required to wear a mask, then that means that, you know, this is where people get really crazy about this kind of stuff. Now you can tell me that you're going to require me to get a vaccine. And that's what people are really right. afraid of because they don't yeah. trust the vaccine. They don't trust the government. And so to them, the, the whole mask mandate was a test case to say, yeah. if I can make you wear a mask and I can definitely make you get a, a vaccine and tell you that you can't go to the store, or you, your kids can't go right. to school unless you get a, get a vaccine. Now you really want to see the, 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 the fallout and the fighting and all of that. Let them come out and say, you're required to get that vaccine. And that's going to be, that's, that's at the yeah. core. I think what the real issue is.
and out and that's a, a huge thing um how do we make sure that we're not in the same place two years from now without saying everyone needs to be vaccinated uh, because eventually you're going to send your kids to school and yeah. if if my kid is vaccinated and yours is not yep how how well, do we protect and, and i and i think you're going to have i think you're going to have some some problems you know because i think that people people wholeheartedly or you got folk that are adamant of, against certain vaccinations because you know certain vaccine have proven to you know cause autism in kids and you know all that so you got all right. that kind of stuff in terms of people's personal liberties and personal freedoms you know as it relates to the government requiring us to have yeah. you know these these vaccines and so that's going to be again going back to leadership you've got to be able to have that discussion because i'm telling you at the core of it all it's about people trying to figure out at what point do you do you make me do as a as a free person? Right. What do I what do I, I don't want to do? And that's the conversations I think that we are are realistically coming up against in in, in short order because um, that I think that is going to be the question. When, if you want your child to go back to school, right? You're going to have to, and it goes back to even the like the like the flu like the flu shot. And I know that's kind of a different scenario, but you got people now that has never gotten a flu shot and won't right. get a flu shot. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a real conversation and discussion that's going to have to be had. And I think that's going, that's what it's boiling down to is yeah. those opportunities for those, those, those liberties. So as, as mayor, you're going to say everyone uh, uh, make their own decision. You know, I think the jury is still out because you don't know. You know, I know that they were making the vac vaccines in in rapid, uh, in rapid time frame because you yeah. know there was this whole movement to say we got to get everybody vaccine, we got to get something made. And and even though they were saying the protocols, even though they're making it really fast, the protocols are still in place. There, there's always going to be that segment of the population, that large segment of the population that says, you know what. We're just going to be we're going to have to wait and see. So, right. you know, I know originally they were talking about you cannot have a vaccine and actually see whether or not that vaccine is effective quicker than at least five, you know, five to 10 years down the yeah. line. And so I think yeah. that you, you know, before you come out here and you start saying, OK, y'all got to have the vaccine. But look at it. I mean, the, the virus itself has started reacting differently. Now you got right. people that are that are at their homes that are surviving as opposed to going to the hospitals and being on ventilators. Now they're recognizing that people don't really necessarily have to be on the ventilator. So I think the virus itself has started to, uh, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, transform or, or uh -huh. uh, act differently than what it did when it originally came out. And I think you have mutate. some that are naturally mutate. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. I think that you have people now that are naturally kind of developing a, a, an immunity to it. And that's why you got all these antibodies. Because so I think you got a lot of people, to be honest, that have had COVID, that have never had symptoms, that right. are walking around with it, that have now have the antibodies because they've had it and they've recovered. And I think our bodies are, God made our bodies to naturally uh, heal itself. And so I think that has to come into play as well. Are we gonna have to depend solely on a vaccine to say everybody's safe? Because right. you got people right now that have the antibody in their system. So what about those? Don't remember people? Can you still make those? Thank you. 
So, you, I, no, you can't just come out right now and blanketly say everybody got to get a vaccine. I think that would be very wrong and very problematic. I have to say, man, uh, uh, whoever wins out of this next election has got a lot of work ahead of them as uh, far as virus, race relations, things like that. I mean, it's going to be a lot in this next year, two years. This next four years is not going to be an easy thing. It's going to be hard. Um, you better you better be eating your Wheaties, that's for sure. That's right, you better definitely. already be working on it and rolling your sleeves up and getting it done. Yes, sir. As far as uh, crime in, in EBR, uh, are you happy with the numbers or have you seen, it seems like the numbers are creeping back up? Man, I am, I am devastated about crime in this city. I, I, I am. And the reason why I say that, you know, I'm, I'm raising two young black boys in my home, you know, and, and out of a lot of the, the, the folk that are there, you know, I, I, <laughs> it's up close and personal to me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I live in the neighborhood that I grew up in, so I'm not having to, you know, draw an opinion what I see on television. You know, I have the prostitutes knocking on my door at two o'clock in the morning saying, can I get a sandwich? You know, I don't know how many right. people have had to take their four babies and shove them underneath the bed to avoid the gunshot. So I, I right. get that. That's not something that I, that I have to read about. I live it. But, you know, for, for and, I, and I'll tell you, my frustration is that I don't really hear you. When, when my husband has to do the funeral and, and, and has done three, as a matter of fact, of, of young boys, 17 years and under since January. I don't know about anybody else, that, but that, that completely changes you when you go to a funeral and you're seeing this young boy who played basketball right. with, your, with your son and you're sitting there watching his mama have to come to church every Sunday with tears in her eyes because she can't figure out what is going on. And then, right. you know, and then the brothers and everybody associated with it and you see all these young people coming into the funeral with this whole, you know, face of despair. And, you know, that's, you, that's unexplainable. You can't even get right. your, your mind around that. And so we've got to be very much more uh, 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 creative and very much more methodical about addressing crime in, in this in this community. We have examples of going into communities. You come into my neighborhood, I can tell you where the drug dealers are. I can tell you where the drugs right. are being dealt. We, it, that's no secret. But I think that you got to be able to come back into those communities and empower those communities to say, hey, this is our neighborhood. And do policing right. in a whole different way. Because in my neighborhood, there's no question about who called the police. And I tell them, I said, don't even question it. If something happens, Miss Tyra, call the police. It was always me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, she's the crazy right. lady that's gonna always call. But I think that you gotta be able to get back because in every right. neighborhood you have those individuals that are not afraid of their own people. You just gotta get in there and know who they are and how they respond and what, what the needs are and be able to get down there and, and, and right. deal with how to, how to bring resources to the table to, to stop this trajectory that we're on. Because it's, it's out of control right now. Right. Now, uh, um, are you happy with the police chief? Are you happy with force numbers? What are some things that you, that as mayor, you have power to change? You know, I, I think that you have the, the, the power to change a lot when you understand that. I can hardly hear you, Tara. I can hardly hear you. Okay, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, I, yeah, it sounds like you're in a, in a stand in the middle of uh, traffic. <laughs> I'm, I'm driving down the interstate now, so can you? Okay. Are you able to hear me? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I'm gonna try to 
talk a, a little bit louder so you that that you can hear me. I think the okay. whole uh, dynamics goes back to relationships where if you think that you are able to solve this issue on an island without yeah. the full participation of everybody involved and I don't care if that is the the, the police chief the police uh, the police officers the union the the community the churches this is going to take everybody coming to the table you can't sit in a silo and assume that you're going to be able to address address this issue and I think you know that and, and I've known chief Murphy Paul I was part of the um, the the interview team that actually brought him in and I, and I can tell you Murphy Paul was out of the slate of candidates that was brought before us. He was the best one yeah. in, the, in the bunch. You know, my husband is a former state trooper, so I I get the the the, the level. Baton Rouge Police Department for a long time. Nobody can disagree with that. We were not professional. We did not right. know how to act and perform and treat people with respect and and professionalism. And so part of part of that whole dynamic was being able to get in and change a, a culture and an environment. We can't deny that there were issues internally. And I think that there was a, a lot of things that went into that into that mix. And I think based on, you know, the situation and the circumstances and the authority that was given, people were trying to do the best that they could with what they had. Now, right. yeah, we, we do need to be able to look at a trajectory of, of change and, and figuring out that maybe what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish, we got to be able to be okay with changing that strategy or changing that ideology. Because right now, even within the within the police department, you got police officers that are afraid and, and 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 can go and work at Cox Communication and make more money than they can in the Baton Rouge Police Department. We cannot right. continue to be a, a training ground for smaller agencies that are in our region. So there's a myriad of things I think that we've got to come to agreement with. Part of that policy paper that I told you about was looking creatively at how we are uh, training, recruiting, and retaining our officers and a lot of that stuff they're trying but it hasn't been implemented and we got to get back to the core values of what we believe policing is really in this community and, and maintaining right. the, you know the peace are you for defunding the police How, okay so my no i i think that you cannot go into now well let me let me answer it this way i think that there are things within our entire city parish budget that we can look at how we are prioritizing things in a much better way. That includes our taxes, that includes a lot of things. So when you talk about defunding the police, I think holistically, you got to look at how we prioritizing our spending and are there mm -hmm. other resources that we're putting in certain places that realistically need to be in another place. And I don't think that the police department has to be the sole uh, department that says, oh, we need to pull money from the police department just because it's right. police. Because I'm sorry, but in, in, in the absence of law and order, you have chaos. And I don't yeah. care who you are. If somebody breaks in your house or somebody is, is facing with you with a gun or trying to shoot or murder you, you're not right. calling EMS. You're not calling right. the, the next nonprofit organization. I ain't calling call the, the police. The, I'm sorry. I'm calling the police. And so that's right. real. And, yeah. I, you know, and so I think that we need to look holistically at how we're prioritizing spending all over EBR and all yeah. over this parish and use what we have in a much more efficient and effective way and not just single out the police department. And there's absolutely no way you're going to win over uh, senior citizen Republicans saying defund the police. 
Yeah, I mean, people, people, especially I think in this environment where people are afraid of their life, like you literally don't know. You know, I, I got an app on my phone. I tell all the parents, I say, if you don't have Life 360, you better get it on your phone. Because <laughs> I, even as a mother, part of my children's responsibility and commitment to them having a cell phone is you better yeah. keep Life 360. So I know how fast you're going. I know where you are at all times. Yeah. Who are your Who are your friends? Who you're involved with? Because I don't feel safe with my children being out at certain right. times of night and not knowing if they're going to return. So I know if I'm feeling that way, I definitely know that our older exactly. citizens and our more conservative people are feeling that same way. Nobody, people want to be safe. They want to be, be able to come back home and, and right. live and, and live, you know, peacefully. Amen. Uh, quickly, grade schools, should they open? Should they close? What should we do? <laughs> You're wrong for asking me that after the first week of uh, a video conferencing. <laughs> Man, yeah. I, saw, I said next week all parents going to say yes, open the schools and let yeah, them open. I don't even care school. no more. I don't it's, even care. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's rough. <laughs> We've got to have that conversation because kids getting back <laughs> in school is necessity, but we got to do right. it. We got to do it responsibly. Look, I've become the principal, the cafeteria lady, the social worker. Oh, yeah. And the teacher, and a tech, and the tech for the computer as well. All, all in one. I agree with all you. I agree with you. We're all there. These teachers earn their money. <laughs> That's they do. I have a huge respect for teachers now. If I didn't before, I love them. They need a raise. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope that I ain't drive you crazy with all my crazy questions. No, I think it was really, really great. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I really, really appreciate the opportunity to express my heart and talk to you guys. This has been a wonderful way to spend my evening. Yes, ma'am. Look, let's get an opportunity for uh, you and your husband and I, my wife, to sit down and eat some lunch and drink some coffee together. That would be absolutely wonderful. We are now headed to eat dessert and his birthday cake uh, for his 50th birthday, but I would definitely uh -huh. tell him we'd love to do that. That would be awesome. Awesome. You have a blessed, blessed day. You too. Thank you so much. God bless y'all. Well, thank you guys for coming on today. I hope that you enjoyed uh, this podcast. I really enjoyed talking to Councilwoman Wigger. I know she's going to do an amazing job uh, if she's elected. Amen. So next, on the 25th, we're going to be talking to some important people on Zoom. We're going to be talking about the, the All of Us research program where we're gonna be talking about getting that vital information about COVID, about our health to the right people so they can get make the right individualized treatment plans for. So I think that's gonna be a really great show. We're gonna do it on Zoom and then we're going to uh, play it over a podcast because we wanna make sure that everyone gets the information on how to live better. Amen. So love you guys. I pray you have an amazing night. That's all I got to say. Just have an amazing night. God bless.